Welcome back to Podcast 99. I'm Ryan Lichten, and today we have another Survivor story. Today we're talking to Sid, and Sid is a rock and roll veteran, has worked in the music industry a long time, and now is working in the in the culinary industry, uh, you know, owns a, owns a hot sauce company, and, you know, caters backstage to some of the biggest acts, many of which have played Woodstock 99, but he was just a wee boy at 17 years old when he traveled to Woodstock 99 with two friends who he would inevitably become separated from the entire time and uh, kind of had his own little coming of age uh, young man's journey. So let's talk to Sid about Woodstock 99. Okay, folks, I'm sitting here with Sid Santa and uh, we're going to talk some Woodstock 99. You reached out to us. How did you hear about the show? Uh, actually, it was through Reddit. I think like there was some like on Reddit. There's a picture of like a girl crowd surfing, and it looked it, was, it just was like I think it was like aged like milk. It just looked awful, and then it was just this rabbit hole of like where the picture was from because it's like a girl, girl getting groped, like stage diving or like uh, crowd surfing, and right. then just going down the rabbit hole. It's like oh, this was Limp Bizkit '99, and then everyone's like oh, what a shit show that was, and then it's like oh, everyone's check out this podcast. And so just from there, I started listening to a podcast and every single episode, just like, I'm, a, you know, I'm 40 now. This was 20 years ago. And, and, uh, it's just so crazy how like every episode you guys put out, like just unearthed some memory or like just blows the dust off. Of, like, right. like, Oh fuck. I can't, like, I just completely forgot about that. I saw bands there that, that, you know, <laughs> that are just so random, you know? And yeah, and, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, so that, that's how I found out about it. Became like I'm I'm probably in the same boat as you. Like I just like to dissect stuff, and you know I was very obsessed with the fire festival, and it's like how does it go this wrong? And so so you know, and I do events as well. So like Woodstock, Firefest, like all these shitty things that have happened are just like not just cautionary tales, but like they just make you work a little bit extra hard to go. Let's not be these people because. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you'd probably have to try to make something go as bad as Woodstock '99 at this point, with like you know everything in place with festivals and like just how kind of a well-oiled machine the bigger ones are. I think like in order to like break down like that, you'd really have to try and fuck it up. I don't know, man. Like, and and I don't know if we can talk about this now or later, whatever. But like, I've been part of some festivals that like we honestly tried our best, and like there'd be two things that missed the mark. Um, you know, I I, I don't. I don't think I should name what festival it was, but I, a couple of years ago I went down to Huntington beach and like did a festival on the beach. And there was like two things. There was one, it was uh trash. Like the trash just wasn't like uh, set up in a way where, uh, you know, it, it was overfilling everywhere. And right. the other thing was, um, you know, I, I was side ops for this event. So like, I was just kind of in charge of not in charge, but you know, I, they'd be like, Hey, go over here and set this up. And, I remember like an hour four doors, they were like, we have the VIP section that needs to be set up. And then we have the um, like wheelchair, uh, like access stuff that needs to be set up. So like, and, and basically they just kind of put me in charge of two jobs at the same time in an hour. And um, so, and then, and what happened was because of the wheelchair ranch, we ended up pushing doors like two hours, which is pretty nuts for a festival. Yeah, absolutely. You know, 
the the band that was headlining was kind of an older band so these are like weekend warriors that just want to get there and drink so they're losing you know liquor sales and then when you look at the reviews of the festival everything that comes up is like the the show started you know, doors were three hours late and there's trash everywhere. And like, so I have 4,000 <laughs> things that, you know, ha- that have to happen to make a festival go right. Like we missed the mark on two things. And like, that was a disaster in some people's eyes. So like, you know, I'm just, I'm just playing devil's advocate. I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm, well, yeah. Me. And you know, I mean, again, a messy festival with, with late doors sucks, but yep. it's not, uh, it's not a 99 <laughs> not <right>. scenario. Yeah. <laughs> Right, right, right. No, I get that. I get so, that. I'm just saying I use those things as a guide. Or not a guide, but, like, let's not be those people. Absolutely. Yeah, and you yeah. know what? Good rules to uh, abide by when uh, throwing right. a, a live uh, event, you know. Right. Um, so let, let's go all the way back. And, of course, I want sure. to talk about the stuff you're doing now because you, you do some sure. pretty awesome stuff. You're just a cool guy, by the way. I, I, <laughs> I watched a, I watched another interview that you had done uh, about oh, about cool. your, your your food stuff that we'll get to towards the end here. Oh, but, nice. uh, yeah, I, I'm excited to talk to you. So going all the way back, you said you were 17 when you went to yep. Woodstock 99. Yep. Do you remember when you, like, heard about it? Or like when you actually knew you were going, like kind of like set it up for me. Yeah, yeah. So I was a uh, I was a Sri Lankan boy in St. Louis, Missouri. Um, So 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 like right after nine eleven, right? So just you know you know I don't want to say I was confused, but like I grew up in kind of a white neighborhood and and uh, went to a white high school and and just was you know didn't fit in with the jocks, didn't fit in with the punk rock kids and whatever, and and just really found music and. And my big thing, there's there's a website that's still around now called the PRP.com. And it's probably embarrassing to them now, but I think it stands for like pimprockpalace.com because like <laughs> in, in the in the early nineties, like pimp was a cool thing oh, to pimp, say. Yeah, um, yeah, pimp was the <laughs> shit back then. And and so it's just like this new metal website that just had news stories about like anything going on and and like slowly because like I was definitely to the corn rage guest machine limp biscuit kind of new metal thing at the time um and and so you know it just kind of was like oh like woodstock 99 is happening and here's a couple rumored things and like just that initial lineup that came out like hit all the boxes for me i was a big you know 94 i remember like going to best buy buying the three cd set and like watching the video of like green day and throwing mud and i just remember being like i guess 15 or no sorry uh shit like 12 then right. <laughs> and, yeah that's uh, about how old i was when i saw the 99 stuff so you know it, it, it impacts you I, I just remember being like no this is the festival i have to get to at some point and then the combination of like because like the 94 lineup was cool you know i had bands i liked like Nash nails and maybe a couple other ones but like just i was very shocked because like throwing up listening to corn and getting beat up for listening to corn it was weird to see a band like that make it like it was, it was around the time of a uh, follow the leader and they were just game big so it just it was a weird thing where it's like these bands i that were i got made fun of for growing up in high school um are now headlining this giant festival so it just kind of hit all the boxes i was like you know there's no i'm never gonna get a chance to see like metallica and corn and rage and machine and in, in, in one go so right so let's make this happen um so so grabbed a couple buddies and i remember they had a promotion where it's like a bus ticket and the concert ticket so we got a bus from columbus ohio so we drove from st louis to columbus um got on the bus and off we went now i mean so so you had a ticket obviously so so you you bought a ticket yeah you weren't like a gate crasher like did your parents care? Like, were they like into it? I mean, like, like, because I'm just assuming that it probably wasn't like an easy convincer. You know, like 
that is the hole in my story. Like, I don't understand how that happened because I had very protective, you know, fresh off the boat parents. I did not understand American culture that well to let, and they were, they're very overprotective and that'll, that'll come to play later after all the shit happens and there's no cell phones. <laughs> but, but, um, but, but yeah, I, I think it was just one of those things. Like I, I might've just put my foot down. I was like, Hey, I'm graduating next year. Like it's time for me to be adult. Let me go do this. Um, you know, I did uh, a couple years before that. I, I, uh, my, my whole family went to London for a wedding and they were like, Hey, you're not doing anything. Why don't you just head over there for like a month before that? And I remember my aunt at the time had kids that were like 30. So she was super laid back. And so she let, like, let me take the train to like writing fest and stuff like that. So I was familiar with music festivals at the time and they didn't seem like that big of a deal. Um, you know, it's funny now that I've worked in the music industry, like, and I have two kids, I don't know when I would allow them to do something like that. Cause, Cause you know what you goes know, on. I know what's goes on. And you know, especially after working in the music industry for so long, I know exactly what goes on. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm very shocked. My parents let me go. I think it was just a, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm shocked. Cause like, even now that I'm 40, I feel like if I go to Vegas or something like that, I feel like I need to check in with my parents. Right. Tell them when I'm leaving. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I don't, I don't, that's, that's the weirdest part about this whole story. Cause if you knew my parents, they would not let me do something like this, but you know, I think I promised them it'd be safe and you know, it's not going to be like Altamont or anything like that. Yeah. So, yeah. No, yeah. instead it was Woodstock 99. Uh, right, right. <laughs> it's kind of the, what could go wrong, you know? Right. So <laughs> you, you get there. Did you guys get there like on Thursday, Friday? Like where, where I, you... I think, I think it was a Friday. I don't think we got to see the pre the first day um, or like the pre-show thing. Um, um, but I remember the bus got there. I remember like 17. I think I, I think all I had on me was like a pipe. I remember just being so nervous, just being like, <laughs> oh my God. Like it's Woodstock. It's fucking Woodstock. But I'm like, oh my God, we're going to walk in. There's security. We're going to get, get arrested, all this stuff. And like, you know, I, have you ever seen the movie uh, Detroit Rock City? Oh, absolutely. It, it was very much like that. Like the whole Woodstock thing was just like a story, like where. You know, you're 17, you're dumb, um, and you you know you just don't know what you're stepping into. But I, I remember specifically having a pipe on me and walking through the gates. And I remember the first thing that happened was a guy just like looked at my ticket and let me go through, like didn't pat me down, search me at all. I remember the guy like next to him was like, "Hey, bro, I think we're supposed to be paying him down." And the guy was like, "No one's told me shit." And I, I, like, <laughs> that, that was the first thing I walked into of like. That's awesome. We got I got through my pipe, but that's also really fucking weird that like no one's getting patted down. Um, right. Yeah. And then, uh, and then yeah, I remember kind of going to the campgrounds, um, and I remember like the first thing I saw was like a dude selling weed. Um, I'm like, this is so nuts because like you know when you're in St. Louis and you're 17, like you have to like go to the ends of the earth to get like some dirt weed and like yeah, they'll cut I your just hands remember off me, like, there for for weed. Yeah, and, and and I was just shocked about how little rules there were as far as like weed goes. Like I know it's way different now, but like in '99, like you know it was still very illegal. And I just remember just seeing this dichotomy of like Subway and like everything sponsored, but then like there's just these kind of like businesses going on just selling like random shit and uh and i'm just like how do these people know how do they know like <laughs> you know this is before the internet and uh, you know our internet was kind of new and i'm just like how do these people know just to get there and set up a tent and so fucking whatever weird shit you know tie-dyed whatever yeah uh but but yeah so i remember we, we set up camp we i think I would have to look back. I think there's some kind of maybe a VIP camp that was part of the bus ticket or like it was a special thing. Um, but I remember we set up camp 
And then, um, I honestly, like, I probably should be looking at the lineup and, you know, we can talk about bands later, but I remember I was like gung ho. I was like, let's go see a fucking band. And the three guys I went with, like, they were more about the experience and I was more about the music. And I just remember right away, like, I'm like, I don't know. It's so much shit. It's like, oh, two skinny Jays are playing. Like, I'm going to go see them. Like, I'll meet up with you later. Oh, damn. Yeah. <laughs> like, if I can deep cut on that. Yeah. No kidding. Um, but, uh, but, uh, and I just remember, so the, the funny thing is, like, within 20 minutes of arriving to Woodstock, I split it with my friends and uh, to Tarantino it, I will not see them again till after the Chili Peppers play. Right. Oh, my God. <laughs> and that's terrifying shit, like, because nowadays, you know, if you go to a festival, like, your phone doesn't work, you know, but you have it. So, like, if you if you wait until the very end of the day, you might be able to get in touch, you know, or at, at least there's, like, the meeting areas and stuff. But I feel like there it just seems so chaotic and everything was so far apart. And then on top of that, being as young as you were, like, is that is there, like, a scared, like, pit of your stomach feeling when you realize that you're stranded here? <laughs> you know, like, I think I was too dumb to realize the situation I was in. Um I don't like not like I was just so gung ho about the music that I was like, I'll fucking figure it out later. Right. Um, and and I wonder if I'm so at this point at 40, I'm completely neurotic. I'm scared of everything. Whenever I do. A, <laughs> and, like I work in the food truck and music festival and uh, music industry. And like so everything I do is probably 10 percent work and 90 percent preventative. Like, let's make sure nothing catches on fire. Let's make sure like, you know, what 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 can go wrong? And and the, I don't know if Woodstock 99 made me that way or like I was going to grow into that way at some point. But like, no, like there's not a single part of me that was like, oh, this could end up really bad. Like you can end up stranded. You could die. Like, no, that shit crossed my mind. I'm just like, oh, what time's Kid Rock play? You know? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah ex ex exactly. Well, you know, you're 17. Uh, not, yeah, what's right. the worst that could happen? You know, exactly. Like, you know, at this point, you know, there was I've been to a ton of like Oz Fest and like warp tours and and um radio festivals so like i just felt like it was a bigger radio festival so so um you know in st louis there's a radio station called the point and they have a thing called point fest that happens like twice a summer i probably went to like 20 of those by that point so i just was like yeah just another radio festival um just this one has two hundred twenty thousand people now you know when you talk about your friends splitting up but you guys had camp yeah. you, you guys never ran into each other like at, at your so, camp or anything so um you know I I just had no sense of direction. So I think my game plan was like I'll head back to camp at some point um, at two in the morning after taking a bunch of drugs and being up in the sun. Like you have no concept of directions where your camp is. And, you know, you don't there's no like you can't mark it on your iPhone. You know, it's it's right. just I remember kind of going like going to the rave and then be like, OK, I should go find my shit because like all my stuff was at the camp. And um I just remember going, okay, let me walk through the tents and see if I can figure this out. And then just, I, I specifically remember like there is, I just remember falling asleep, like on the ground somewhere going, fuck this. Like, let me just close my eyes for a minute. And then probably slept for like two hours or three hours or maybe woke up at like seven and then just started it again. Um, and I was just like, you know what? Bands are about to start. I'll do it tonight. I'll find the tent tonight. I think that was kind of my, 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 uh, my schedule every, for the three days was like, Okay, I have a couple hours. No shows are going on. Let me see if I can figure out where my camp is. Can't find it. Fuck it. Let's go watch whoever. Right. Now, like talking about the, the first day now, I mean, you said you were a corn fan. Were, were you, you know, did you watch corn? I'm guessing you did. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so corn was the first night. Um, so, so yes. Uh, I remember I got up right up front. I remember in the video. Like, That's when I terrifying. Watched it, 
You know, so, so you know, kind of hearing your podcast and talking about the corn thing, Olympus biscuit thing, here's kind of my theory. Um, you know, growing up as – so 17, I'm kind of splitting from like – that's right when I'm leaving like the corn, new metal scene, kind of going into more like hardcore stuff, you know, and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, so leaving corn and going to like Zayo and Glassjaw and, you know, this kind of – like the post-hardcore stuff. Yeah. Um, but The next so, big like, wave of, of exactly. all that stuff. Yeah, that, that's like my but, era's worth of shit right there. Okay, perfect. But but I kind of feel like so in these like in the mosh pit at radio shows, the same thing happens where it's like, you know, I've been I've probably been to like ten corn shows at that point, and it's always like love and like yeah, there's a mosh pit, but people help each other up, and like we're just a big group of people that got picked on by jocks, and like we're here to like, you know, let this rage out kind of thing. But we're all family, and I think with the radio shows, like there's all these like jocks and like people that are just there for the festival and they're kind of witnessing like what what people like me have been doing it for a couple years and they're like oh i want to go do that i want to go punch people and i feel like it was just like this thing where it's like you got corn that used to be a smaller band now we're giant and you got older fans that are like just doing what they usually do but now you got the regular crowd that have been drinking all day that you know might have just come there for dave matthews but they're like oh yeah i like that corn song let's go check them out and then I think that was the issue is like you got a bunch of people that aren't used to the scene and I'm not trying to be a gatekeeper or anything. This is, you know, how I know this is exactly what what we said. It's nice to hear it from someone that was actually there because, yeah, I mean, that's that's what we all said. It's like all the people that were moshing super hard during corn were the people that would push corn fans into lockers. Exactly. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. It's it's a it is it is a very funny thing to have like a band like Dave Matthews playing on the same bill because like, you know, the thing about St. Louis and I'm not trying to be insulting. I love St. Louis. I wish i could move back there but like you know things just kind of pulse there a little bit later than the east or west coast you know so so you know i feel like you know where in la you might have found out about a band like i don't know corn olympus all that shit like you might have found out about three years before we did in st louis because there's no internet there's just your older brother to go hey here's a cassette tape of something called corn you know like um so it just took a little bit longer. So, so it's just really ironic that because I feel like St. Louis, that was it. It was you either like Horn or you like Dave Matthews, and, uh, <laughs> and that was just it. Uh, and and it's just funny to have them on the same line. It's, and what's really funny is um, I live in Seattle uh, in a neighborhood called Ballard, and the neighboring city uh, Fremont is where Dave Matthews lives, and he's just like a Seattle like like no one in Seattle accepts him as a Seattleite. You know, no right. one goes oh they're a seattle band you know but you know he's just around he goes to my gym and he goes to my restaurant and like oh, you know dude, you should try and get him on the show um yeah if I, <laughs> him, I'll, I'll, I'll mention that it's it's, it's just funny because like he always gives me this look as like you know i'm a sri lankan dude in the music industry so like he always see me at like at the gym or at the restaurant or like i'll do backstage catering for him at the gorge and he always gives me this look like why the fuck are you everywhere <laughs> yeah <laughs> god damn it <laughs> But uh, but yeah. So I mean, I don't know. That's kind of my thing about where the aggression's coming from. It's 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 not. I don't. I wouldn't blame it on the music necessarily. I just think it was just a. It was a perfect storm. Yeah. So as you're walking around, you know, and yep. you're getting kind of the lay of the land. Now you're separated. You're by yourself. Yep. Like, you know, were were you going to any like the vendor village stuff? Checking out any of that shit? Like, I don't. A, I any of the have... side things, or were you just mostly like just get to the music? I think it was mostly music. I think in my head I was like, you know, just from going to festivals before, it's like, cool, we'll do our shopping on the last day, which um, kind of happened. I didn't buy anything, but I definitely got stuff on the last day. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but, but but I think that was my idea. So honestly, like, I can't 
like it's weird i can't dust off that memory of like what i did in between bands like it was pretty much i mean it was a full day of music full day of you know and at that point i was into a lot of shit you know so like i totally dug like going seeing fat boy slim at two in the morning you know after seeing corn and you know whatever it was yeah. like i don't remember the exact days but but there was enough music for me to to stay um engaged and i honestly like i remember buying a seven dollar subway sandwich once um i remember instead of buying four dollar waters i was like why would i buy a four dollar water when coca-cola is four dollars oh, and yeah. being 17 and being like yeah let's just slam a coke in 100 degree weather on a black <laughs> you know that's so bad uh, yeah and um but so I think I was just kind of in the, between like the weed and the drugs and like just being tired and dehydrated. It, 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 it you know, it's almost like a, a Mr. Burns thing where, you know, he has so many diseases, he can't die. Yeah. It, it was kind of <laughs> like that where it's like, I was just so fucked up. I felt kind of normal um, that, that I was just enjoying the music. And like, you know, when you're in the music, you're not thinking about how hot you are or whatever. You're just rocking out. And, and that was pretty much my three days. Like, um, you know, I, I, uh, yeah, I, I don't remember doing anything. I remember the drum circles and and that kind of stuff, but I don't specifically remember hanging up any vendor villages or, or you know, actually really interacting with anyone other than just seeing music. And I remember kind of maybe the second day almost passing out and just kind of being like lying on the on a concrete and just begging people for water. I remember no oh, one would do God. it. Um, so uh, I remember like, like well, well, by what's by. that like though? I mean, like I mean, I know it's probably tough to kind of put yourself back back there, but. Because you're at this Air Force base. So, I mean, right. already you're in a foreign kind of area cons like compared to other festivals, you know, because most music festivals aren't held on military bases. Right, right, uh, right. I, I think what was going through my head was like, oh, this is Woodstock. Like, it's about peace and love. Someone's going to help me out. And then after half an hour, I was like, nope. <laughs> this is not about love. Like I got to help myself out and I don't know what I did. Like, but I don't know. I'm sure something was like, Oh fuck dude. Uh, I don't know. Lit's about to play better. Get up. You know? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Saved by lit. Uh, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm sure you weren't the only person to be revived by the great powers of the band lit. Um, which, is, which is another funny thing is cause um, it's just funny. Like listening to your podcast, how much, how many of these things have come full circle? Cause guitars, the lit owns a bar called the slide bar in, uh, fallerton i think um and yeah. that was like the after party place so like when i worked for bands like the use i've been sampled all this stuff everyone went there afterwards and i just kind of always remember like you know when the guitarists come out and you know say hi to the bands so i'm like fucking woodstock man <laughs> you, still, yeah. you still, still got the same weird like uh whatever you call that thing on your chin and you know but <laughs> yeah still playing guitar solos with vibrators mm -hmm. yeah, yeah <laughs> uh, uh, all that shit that, that he did now like Again, it, to me, it's just, again, so fascinating that you were by yourself so young, like separated. Because we right. talked to another guy yeah. on the show who went by himself, but he was, you know, he, he was a little older, you know what I mean? He went right. and he was totally sober the whole time. And so he had his experience. You had kind of like a terrifying, like coming of age, like kind of totally. deal, you know, and uh, you, had, you had mentioned in your in your email that you had seen Seven Dust. Now, Seven Dust is one of the, our favorite bands to talk about that played Woodstock. Um, cause he rolled that weird giant joint yep, that, that yep. he comes out. Did, so so I gotta, I it, gotta right? find my pictures. I definitely hit it. Like I was, so I don't remember what stage they played, but it was like a much smaller stage. It might've been the same stage that like two skinny J's played on or something like that. They're on the West stage. So like the secondary okay. stage. Yeah. Got it. So I don't remember if their, if their second album was out by then, but like they weren't that big, um, at the time. I think they probably played the side stage at like Ozfest kind of size at that time. So like, 
I don't, you know, it was kind of that, that felt a lot more like at home, like seeing, a, I mean, even though it was like three in the afternoon, you know, yeah. it, it that felt like where I was at the, at my time in life is seeing more bands like that at smaller venues. And, um, and like, he kind of recognized me cause I've seen him so many times. And like, I remember seeing him walking around the grounds and kind of said, what's up to him. And, and, uh, so that was awesome. Like, I remember, um, when he came to the crowd with the joint, I'm like, should I take this? Cause security is right here. Like that was going, <laughs> like, it wasn't like, Oh, this is gonna be such a monumental thing of smoking a joint from a person that was on stage at Woodside. It was more like, am I going to get kicked out for this? And like, I remember I kind of just did like a little, like real quick. Like I'm a, like, yeah, like cool, a but, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it was a, it was a rad show. I think it was probably too early for all the meatheads to get there and like ruin it. So I remember that was an awesome show. Um, just cause it was kind of surprising cause you know, I guess what, even though I've been to festivals, like you can't picture how fucking large the crowd's going to be. Um, something I specifically remember being like, I don't want to say I was ever bummed out during it, but I remember kind of maybe watching Metallica or something like that, something I was really excited about. And I remember I could barely see the screen and just kind of thinking to myself, I'm like, man, I spent all this money and time to get here to stand this far away and just watch a screen. Right, I remember that yeah. might have been like one that nails in the coffin for me, like at that age of just being sick of like festivals and kind of me personally moving to like, okay, let's just go to small venues and club shows and that kind of shit. But, um, but I remember some desk was rad. Cause it was like, same thing with two skinny J's. Like obviously they didn't really go anywhere, but like they were just one of these random bands that I was kind of into in 99. And, and it was cool to see them with like, I don't know, maybe 200 other people, which was pretty small for Woodstock, you know? Right. And, and so that the, so two skinny J's played on the emerging artist stage, which was inside okay, one of the hangers. Right. That, yeah. Okay. And, uh, the rave was also inside a hangar. Right. Right. Can you, do you remember much from the rave? Cause like, like we talk about on the show all the time, like it's, it is the most mysterious aspect because there's so little footage of it. So few pictures. It was so debauched by all accounts. Like, yeah. Um, what can you tell so, me about that? Okay. So first of all, like I had been to raves at that point, like in, from my hometown and like, it wasn't anything like that. It didn't feel like that. Oh, it's two in the morning. And we're going to find some secret address and do a bunch of drugs. And like, it just, it felt very corporate. Like I, I feel like I saw Fatboy Slim, maybe Moby. Did Moby play? Yes. Okay, so maybe some of that, like some of the bigger names, maybe Chemical Brothers, some of that. And I just remember it was, it wasn't, um, it just felt very, uh, uh, I don't know how to describe, like just very sponsored and like not like the experiences I've had before. And again, not gatekeeping, just me, just being a shitty seventeen year old like punk rock kid. That's like, oh, like this is not what a rave should be, kind of right. attitude. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, you you totally knew everything. Yeah. Right. And, you know, it's it just me being a dick because I'm sure a lot of these people were like super stoked and it's their first, you know, experience like this. But I just, I was just standing against the wall being like, I haven't slept. Like, this is not as cool. Like, what time's corn go on tomorrow? Or, you know, what time's Limp Biscuit kind of attitude? <laughs> right. Now, Limp Biscuit, uh, you know, obviously, you know, their reputation precedes them when it comes to Woodstock yep. 99. Mm -hmm. What was your experience seeing them? Like, how close were you in, in that shit? Sure. Yeah, I, I was I was definitely in the the middle of the crowd where the shit was happening. Um, same same story as like the corn thing, where it's like it was definitely infiltrated by like bros. Um, and and yeah, and I would say like throughout everything happening, like even the fires on the last day, like none of it seemed like that big of a deal at the time. Um, I'm sure my parents watching on TV were freaking out, but um, it just seemed like oh yeah, this is a normal festival, and maybe it's getting a little crazier with people ripping plywood down and shit like that. And Fred Durst 
you know, crowd surfing on plywood, but like it did not seem anything like it did not because that was Saturday, right? Limp yeah. Bizkit. It did not seem like Sunday was gonna like Sunday was gonna be as crazy as it was. It just seemed like a normal show. And I'm I'm, I'm sorry, like you know, if that's not the answer. Like you're no, open no, for no. it. There's you no know, wrong answers. It, yeah. <laughs> right, right. But but it just seemed like a normal show. I would say you know that's also in the age where I'm like kind of falling away from Limp Bizkit at that point. So yeah. like, um, you know, I would say again, just like nails in the coffin of being like of of guiding me in my life of the music I've listened to after ninety nine was done. Um and I wonder if ninety nine wasn't such a shit show if I'd still be like rocking a limp biscuit shirt, you know, yeah, at forty. Just, just uh left a, b- a bad taste in your mouth overall. Yeah. Uh, so speaking yeah. of, of of bad bad taste, did you yeah. take a poop there? Did you did you go poop while you were at Woodstock ninety nine? Man, I wish I could remember. I don't remember eating that much. I don't think I might <laughs> like you know, it's funny as like a touring guy, like now, like it's always the rule of like find the bathroom as soon as you get to the venue. Like especially like a warp tour kind of thing. Like you you see the the veterans of warp tour because they're up at six in the morning killing the porta potties. Um, right. You know how bad it gets later. So honestly, like I don't remember anything about a bathroom um, or and or porta potties or any of that stuff. What was there like other bad experience? Like I, was that a thing? Was there shit everywhere? Probably. Oh well, yeah. I mean, I mean, because there was all the because the showers and and all the plumbing and stuff leaked, and people would break the the water fountains, you know, like the, the few free ones. So then it made mud, but the mud was mixing with the overflow from the porta potties, and you have everyone swimming around in it. Because you know, mud is a big thing at, at, at Woodstock. I'm sure, you, I'm sure you saw people just covered, you know, but it wasn't just mud; they were covered in it. Was it was poop. right? I, yeah. I I think I think it wasn't like I could be totally wrong, but I feel like. Woodstock 94 was like the mud one that I remember a lot of like mud stuff happened there. I don't remember it that much at 99. Right. Um, but right. But, well, you, uh, you got lucky. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah. I think it's I mean, covered in shit. It's so, awesome. so it's, it's Sunday now it's, it's winding yep. down. Uh, you know, the Sunday is kind of the day known for, I mean, obviously all the shit that happens at the end, but music wise, right. it's a lot more mellow, like jewel played and, okay. and, you know, Elvis Costello and, and red hot chili peppers. Yeah. But we're the headliner throughout yep. that day. Could you, you know, feel anything like were tensions running high on the grounds? Like, what was it like? Can you remind me like who played before chili peppers? Like I can't remember that night. I don't remember much of the day. Shit, who played but, right, right before them? I I don't know. I, well, on that day, it was also like Brian Setzer Orchestra. Willie Nelson yeah. also played. Yeah, I, I dude, I'm, I hate to be a bummer. I can't. I don't remember a single thing about that last day except the last couple bands. Um, I might have even been passed out. Like, you know, I I couldn't. I, I feel like I didn't sleep at Woodstock at all. But like that, you know. Yeah, you had the, to have at some. Point. The, this is a whole trunk that I'm not remembering of Sunday morning. Right. Um, well, your brain was fucking fried i exactly i completely understand but uh well real quick before we get to 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 the fires and all that stuff and 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 your takeaway you know the big thing with woodstock 99 always is the way that the women were treated and and all that stuff were you were you seeing anything like that like any of the like totally negative bro shit going down yeah i i specifically remember writing there was like a thing on either the website or just on the news i was like hey if you saw anything like write us an email i remember writing an email um, just because I kind of saw like uh, it's just my recollection. Recollection that could be completely wrong. But I remember like a dude going up to a chick, and they obviously didn't know each other, and they started like kind of grinding at each other. Like I forgot what which band it was, but I remember like watching it, going, "That's this guy's getting creepy and handsy." And then like 
I remember it kind of progressed. It, it didn't get anything really bad. It wasn't, you know, but I just remember it was like aggressive and I kind of just typed that out. Um, but that was like the only thing I saw as far as like, like I just remember not wanting to be involved in like the tits and all that stuff. Not, not in a weird way, but just like that just was all the bro stuff that, you know, um, right. even though it was happening during like, you know, corn and all the bands I was there for, um, that felt very more like the Dave Matthews kind of thing. And, and also like, I, I, I feel like that was just a regular concert thing as far as like flashing tits and stuff. Um, and as far as like the rapes and aggression and stuff, like that's, that was the only thing I saw. Um, but I can't say like the vibe on Sunday was not peace, love and music. Um, it was definitely like, uh, a lot of anger in the air, a lot of like, I think it is, is all came from the waters. It was just, um, you know, I remember when security would hand out waters, people would like fight over it. Like, you know, the opposite way of like a club show kind of thing. And, and, uh, so yeah, tensions were high on Sunday. And, um, you know, I, I remember I, I kind of start, I don't, I, my timeline's all messed up. I do remember when all the, uh, merch can't start getting raided. Um, I, I just are you, remember are you still alone when that started happening. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. Um, and I remember like kind of watching people grab stuff like cases. That was probably the only like peace music, you know, love kind of thing I saw. I remember people like they were raiding, like it was their job, you know, like they were <laughs> pulling out boxes and like going, Hey, hand this, hand these to those people. They haven't got anything yet. And like, that was the most like, you know, group effort I saw. Um, it was definitely a vibe of like, fuck this organization let's take what we can um at that point i remember i was still in my nervousness like i'm gonna take some shit but i won't be the last one to do it kind of thing um so i remember i took a shirt um right uh, do you remember but, what, what the shirt looked like it was it was like the well let me tell you this it was the last shirt to get stolen so <laughs> <laughs> it was like this ugly shit brown Woodstock shirt that had all the bands in the back and just, you know, probably a bird or something like that in the front. Um, I was like, cool. I got my, I got my, uh, I got my shirt. Did it um, have buttons by any chance? Did not have buttons. Okay. Cause I, I have a shit brown Woodstock 99 shirt with the bands <laughs> on the back, but it has buttons to make it even worse. Got it. Did you, <laughs> did you kind of go down a rabbit hole and go on eBay and see what you can get? Oh, yeah. I mean, we, I do that all the time. And, folks, uh, you listening at home, if you sign up to patreon.com slash culture dumps and you're on one of our top tiers, I will send you something from Woodstock 99. But back to the story. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. No, I, no. I, I, don't, I don't have that shirt anymore. I do. I still have my ticket stub, which was like a special edition version because of the bus thing, maybe. Right. Um, or because of a special camp. I don't remember why it was special, but, but yeah. Um, but yeah. So, so let's see. So I. And honestly, do you remember any of the, the main stage bands other than Chili Peppers? Uh, well, on that, on on the last day, yeah, like Elvis Costello, Jewel. Right, right. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All, all the really mellow stuff. Brian Setzer Orchestra it was, right. was a little earlier in the day. Um, right. Yeah, it, I mean, honestly, like, I, I've been so, my, my head is so in, in our other show that right. like, going back, like, it's it's funny because after HBO dropped this trailer for, for their documentary right. coming out, like, all these people started hitting us up, so I'm getting back into sure. Woodstock mode. And you, 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 did they, did HBO consult with you at all or did they reach out to you? Uh, no. Um, but there are a couple other Woodstock 99 documentaries being made by right. other companies and we might have uh, cool. had something to do with one of those. Is that just a thing that whenever there's a shitty festival, they have to release two documentaries at the same time? Yeah, <laughs> I, it, I think it's just collective consciousness, you know, it's right, just right. like, okay, yeah, everyone let's do it. And you know what? Another thing is, um, I really think that, and obviously, 
like the the storming of the Capitol or, or whatever that yeah. you know happened after a lot of these documentaries are being put into production. But right, I think right. just like the whole whirlwind of of twenty twenty. Um, my mentality really yeah. kind of pushed pushed it yeah like where it was like oh like we could really relate this like misogynistic fucking like awful riotous festival to these things happening now and that's kind of right. where it all came oh. from right right okay so sunday like yeah sorry don't remember much about sunday but i do remember like before chili peppers went on it was like dude it's deep like it's go time you gotta find your people and you gotta find your shit um and i remember going whoa Let's watch Chili Peppers real quick. <laughs> I, I remember, like, I didn't even love them at the time. I think I saw them a couple months before at one of those radio festivals, and they're, I, I believe they're playing stuff off Californication, which maybe didn't come out yet. Yeah. Uh, but I remember it really catchy and being like, no, like their new shit's really good. Let me watch them. Um, and then, yeah, I watched the Chili Peppers. That's when the fires happened. Specifically remember just cases and cases of candles everywhere, and that's what people were using to start the fires. Um, I remember you, you talking about that. It was some something right. like I was going to have a candle or something. Like that. And I just remember going, this is fucking stupid. Like, I don't know if you saw the video of like the people that released like all the balloons and caused a bunch of air traffic and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. It was it was a similar thing. I was just like, did anyone think this through? Like, I'm 17 and I could have told you, like, don't give like, I mean, even if it's planned, like pull the plug on that idea because. Because people are pissed. Um, yeah, but yeah. Uh, were, were, were you getting scared, like when you started seeing the fires pop up? Again, like I, I think I looked around. I probably saw six pretty big like fires built out of the candles, like just probably like thirty boxes stacked high, and they're burning these uh, candle cases. Um, I remember just again being seventeen, like nope, this is how festivals are. Like um, doesn't seem that out of the ordinary. Um, and right. it's just so ironic is happening during like the Chili Peppers, but. Um, but yeah, so so watch Chili Peppers, and then I remember, like the 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 anxiety still hadn't set in of like, dude, the show's over, like everyone's making their way out, packing up, and and I remember just kind of leaving the Chili Peppers, and literally just met, just fucking walked into this dude Bobby that I came in with, and his attitude was like, dude, where you been? And I kind of realized <laughs> that, that like no one's really been looking for me at all. Um, <laughs> just, I mean, I knew these guys, but like. One of them was from my high school, and the other two were friends of his. So, like, uh, I wasn't really like a good friend of these guys, and um, and uh, and yeah. So, so I remember seeing them. I remember the first thing I thought of as a punk rock seventeen year old was, "Holy shit, God exists!" Like right. that's that's what happened to me because I I just remember going, "This is impossible for me." And I'm not Christian at all, or I'm not I'm not I'm agnostic. I'm not preachy at all. But I just remember twenty years ago being like. Holy shit! There's no way this should have happened. I right. probably should be dead, but I just happened to walk into my buddy out of 220,000 people leaving the same place, um, and I remember finding him. Got our shit. Got on the bus. I don't remember what the bus situation was. I remember it was like super sketchy because, like, you know, there's no internet. There's no like, you know, there's no advance. There's just you're just like walking around going, "Hey, dude!" Like, uh, I'm supposed to be on a bus, and the Peace Patrol at this point were just like we don't give a shit about you. We don't right. want, we're trying to do. Um, so I remember it's kind of chaotic then. Cause like a lot more cops fires are still going on and we're just trying to get the fuck out. Um, and I think at that point I was probably just too tired to like realize how dire the situation was, but got on the bus, got back to Columbus. I remember slept. I don't know how long a bus ride from New York to Columbus is, but like rock, like didn't move at all. Slept the whole time. 
Um, I bet. My, I mean, it's like the one my, moment of calm, you know? Right, right, right. Um, you know, and I remember getting to my buddy's grandmother's house, sleeping for like 18 hours and waking up to my parents calling my buddy's grandmother's number, I think like 70, 80 times and like oh, 80 man. voicemails of like, what's going on? We're watching this on the news. Where the fuck are you? Um, and luckily I called her. I was like, okay, yeah, hey, I'm fine. And they're like, what the fuck? You're never going to anything like this again. I'm like, yeah, no, I don't blame you. Um, <laughs> and, and, uh, yeah, so that, that was it. Like, so overall fucking, you know, it's ironic that I kind of went there, see four or five bands specific that easily would come through separately, you know, in St. Louis, you know, within the year, but, but you know, it was, it was, uh, it was experience. It was fun. Um, it's funny when I told people I was going to be on this podcast, like it's just such a, it's such a weird thing to admit to people that you went to 99 because just has all these <laughs> like things of like one, what bands were you into? Cause like, you know, it's not, it's not awesome to be like, yeah, dude, I was obsessed with corn and yeah, I fucking went lied. To York, yeah. You know, cause it's funny. Cause like I, I, I do backstage catering now and like I did a uh, corn show before COVID and like, I remember like Jonathan Davis walking by and like when you do backstage catering, it's not a big deal. But like, I remember like I didn't even watch them because like the kitchen to the stage is like, you know, you just have to go outside and watch the band. And like, I remember like not even caring about that they were playing. And then after listening to your podcast, just the episode on corn, I remember I listened to like their first three albums right after that. I'm like, fuck dude, these, these guys kind of rip. Like, yeah, I'm not going to wear a shirt slaps, or anyone, no, but like that album rips, dude. Um, and yeah, it just, you know, it, it, like I would say the whole thing was kind of based around corn. Cause there's such a specific time in my life. Um, of what corn meant for me and what Woodstock did and like how, how that kind of genre of music was getting bigger and maybe it's not mine anymore. Um, you know, uh, but, but, uh, you know, it's, it's just funny. Um, it was, it was yeah. an awesome time, but well, it, it's but, amazing that, that you went and it's also great that like you ended up like in music for so long yeah. afterwards, you know what I mean? Like you are just a true rock and roll warrior, uh, <laughs> you know, as we say, but you do a lot of other cool stuff. Um, right. Why don't you go ahead and, and plug your sauce there, dude? Yeah. So, uh, so, so ironically when I got out of music, so I, you know, toured bands, all this stuff. And then, um, I was on tour with a band called the used and the singer was really into cooking. So like on days off, we'd always like get a house together and cook and stuff. McCracken. And, yeah. Yes, sir. Yep. <laughs> um, and so, so th and then I moved to LA, worked as a music management company and that's right when like everyone started downloading shit and the music industry was just fucking dead. So basically I spent like eight years of my life touring in bands, like 10 bucks a day, like just punk rocking it to make it to the music industry, moved to LA. And then like right then everyone's just like, no music industry is fucked. So, yeah. <laughs> so, um, because of my cooking with Bert and all this stuff, I kind of just checked out culinary school, went to culinary school. Um, and I ended up getting to food trucks, which is basically the same thing as like touring with the band. It just came from point A to point B and 50,000 things are going to go wrong on that day, just like touring with the band. Um, and, uh, and then, you know, kind of got the food truck thing, then started a hot sauce company, which is called Ballyhoo hot sauce, um, located in Seattle, just ballyhooHotSauce.com. And then, uh, and now, uh, it's kind of come full circle. Cause now I do events like, uh, dinners based on pop culture. So like the big thing I'm working on right now is I'm doing like a 36 course, Wu Tang themed dinner with like nine chefs and oh, like man, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, so so it's kind of fun, to, you know, because I don't really have a desire to tour anymore, but I still get a like I'm doing some country festival next week at the Gorge. Um, I'll probably be doing Dave Matthews <laughs> again. Um, so it's kind of fun just to still be able to dip my toe in the music industry, but like not have to stay on tour and grind it out. And, do and, and you know, you don't have to pay uh, for water or food. You know, no more seven dollar <laughs> Subway sandwiches. You get the good <laughs> stuff for free. <laughs> 
Dude, it's so funny because like I'm I'm gonna work this place called the Gorge, which is probably as hot as as uh the the Woodstock nine nine. And I just remember like for these gigs, like each chef gets like a case of water and we slam a case of water throughout, you know, maybe two throughout the day. And I just don't know how I did it on a black tarmac. Like um, yeah, pounding cokes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's terrible. Well, yeah, I'm I'm patiently awaiting my sauces. I will be uh, plugging them yeah. on both of our shows. Fuck yeah, uh, yeah, for you for sure. But yeah, thanks for coming on, Sid. No, it's been really pleasure. awesome talking Woodstock with you, and uh, I'm sure we'll keep in touch. All right, take care, buddy. All righty, man. See you at Woodstock. All right. <laughs> well, that was fantastic, wasn't it? I love that guy. You know. To be separated at a place like Woodstock 99 or an event, I should say, a place like Griffith's, um, it, that's frightening. I, w- I probably would not have fared as well. I probably would have been close to a phone bank the entire time, or I would have done the even lamer thing and waited in my tent for my friends to arrive, which by the sound of it doesn't seem like anyone was coming back to, to their tents. It seems like that you, you'd be better off just like plopping on the ground somewhere and then hitting it hard the next day. So yeah, another uh, big shout out to Ballyhoo hot sauce and, uh, Thanks, guys. If you went to, worked at, or played Woodstock 99 or know someone that did, contact us at podcast99official at gmail.com or on Instagram at podcast99. For exclusive content, please follow us uh, You know, at patreon.com slash culturedumps. I'm Ryan Lichten. Thanks, and we'll see you at Woodstock.